bad, my babies. Let's see if we can other stuff. We're gonna have my toddlers. No. Or <laughs> <What>? no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no what? I, I I reject being called my toddlers. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> My Why? babies at least has I your like Bootsy Collins reference. <laughs> this my toddlers is just changing the dynamic in a way I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> my, my terrible my terrible twos. <laughs> my infants. Whoa. My adolescents. <laughs> my prepubescence. Yeah. Oh. Mid pubescence, yeah. That's not a phrase that comes up. Or you just pubescent at that point. It's hard because, uh, um, yeah, because like my Henry's fourteen and and he's I mean he's 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 not a toddler, um, he's but he's he's not yet a, a woman. Um, <laughs> I don't know what he is like. He's a teenager, but kinda you know, and and he's definitely he's he's definitely going through the all the stuff. But it's adolescent. Adolescent sounds so young. Preteen. No, but he's he's, he's fourteen. A he's a he's teenager. Teen. He's he's well into it. Well, there's such a difference between like nineteen and fourteen, right? Yeah, I feel like it's more preteen era area still. It's clearly age. not, but it's but it's not. It's it's, it's 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 decisively not preteen because he has the suffix t. Yeah, he's into it. But that's what I mean. It's not like there's just this range. I think fourteen is clearly teenager. Nineteen is uh, getting it, more it towards is young adult. Okay, well, that's that's what I'm saying. He's not. He's definitely not an adult, mm-hmm. but he's no longer a child. He's somewhere between the two. Just reminds me of the Britney Spears song. She's on my mind right now, but w- which one? Um, wait, I know, I know, um, I know which one. I know which one. I know which one. You can only um, answer it if you sing it. Okay. Um. 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 Hit me, baby, one more time. Definitely not. Is it that one? No. Eh. This is my Britney. This is my Britney Spears. Hit me, baby, one more time. Well, I see why you haven't uh, garnered any success with that impersonation <laughs> career. Eh. 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 No, I'm not Hit a girl. Me. She's not a girl, not yet a woman. Not yet a woman. I quoted that last time. Is that a Britney Spears line? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure I, I quoted that. I think it was about you, Dan, where I said you're a girl, but not yet a woman. <laughs> I can do it like Britney Spears does. Eh, not yet a woman. Stop, the, stop that horrible noise. <laughs> Britney Spears. No, eh. it's not. Doesn't she do that all the time? Eh, eh, not a girl, not yet a woman. Eh. No. <laughs> Sorry, Britney. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. Ugh. What's the Urge Overkill song, though? There's an Urge Overkill oh, wow. song. I haven't about... thought of them in forever. They were great. I worked I loved with them at Urge Overkill. You did? Yeah. You what? Worked, worked with, with my them Pledge Music. Like, Pledge Music. Yeah. They had a song. They had a title. Something like that. Like, Not Yet a Woman. Something. What was it, Dan? You worked with them. I don't remember. They had cool artwork. They were great. What's that dude's name? Nash? Nash mm-hmm. Cato? Nash Cato, right? Oh no! I'm gonna find out that Urge Overkill song. Live Google. You guys, you guys keep up. You guys carry the weight. Do your own Britney. You guys do Britney Spears um, impressions quick. Carly, start. I don't. I would. I would never disrespect her. Carly, start. (laughs) Carly, begin. 
began the podcast, Carly, with you singing an entire Britney Spears song. It may baby one more time. Be sad, eh. only. Give us the deep cuts. Yes. <laughs> no. I I stand by it. I would never disrespect Britney in such a way. She's been through enough. She has. She's sort of fascinating. In fact, she is part of the piece that I wrote this week. Really? <coughs> because I'm sure you guys saw, but um, last week she somehow lost her bid to remove her father as the conservator of her estate, mm -hmm. which is so crazy that it is still going on. Um, but just, I, I guess I jumped into it a little early, but that's also why she, I said she's been on my mind. Um, and I was really rushing to get this piece to you guys before the I'm literal 11th about, hour. But, was her um, Sorry. Pardon? No, no, please. Um, I saw a couple of things last week that made me revisit an old piece that I had talked to you guys about that I had started and never finished, one of my 90% complete ones about mental health of celebrities um, or, or people of notable people and the media's responsibility and how we talk about it. So obviously, Brittany losing that bid was... Um, that there's, I mean, it's because of of what they, her father and the manager at the time, um, they made her seem very mentally unfit, and they were able to use the um, the fact that she could lose custody of her kids to put her back into a um, rehab facility for mental health and it's crazy that it's hanging over her head this like so many years later i also i often forget that britney spears is like just a few years older than me because i was such a young girl when she was popular and they made her seem so much older i always felt like she was an adult when i was not and it's just really sad to think that so much of her life has been plagued by this but i saw another thing this week um it's it's actually a 2019 interview with Hunter Biden um, for ABC. And the interviewer is talking about um, him. She actually says, like, you're, you know, you've been in and out of rehab and talking about his struggle with addiction. And he he interrupts her and says and, and asks can you say sought treatment instead and he literally says say it nicer say it nicer the way that she's questioning him it does come off kind of like dismissive and and it again I, it was shared by a journalist this past week um i'm not sure what prompted her to reshare it almost a year later but i thought that that was really profound and i do think that words matter and there can be really long-lasting effects and obviously, as we've discussed often, stigma around like throwing that mentally ill label on people instead of just letting people go through the motions of, of life and have like ups and downs. And so both of those things made me want to revisit that piece that I had gotten to the 90%. Uh, completion rate, but then I had to obviously scrap a lot because I'd waited so long. Um, but yeah, both of those things kind of struck me this last week as 
as sad but profound. And so um, to answer the question that hasn't come yet, that's what I worked on this week. I don't. I got right into it real fast, but I was really trying excited. to finish it. <laughs> And so obviously Britney Spears was on my mind, but um, yeah, I do. I just think that anyone in the media has such a responsibility to, uh, to really be careful with how they present people who are working on their mental health instead of just labeling them um, ill or weak or, or whatever word they may use to try to dis- diminish maybe them as a person, an entrepreneur, an artist, a parent. Um, And we should all remember how lucky we are to not have our lives documented and followed by other people. We can do things privately and politicians, celebrities, athletes, they don't have that same luxury. So anyways, weird beginning, sorry. Well, the conversation (laughs) is trending in the right direction though, right? That is... (laughs) Know, it's being destigmatized actively. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How are you I mean, guys doing? What did you guys work on? Or you George, were going to say something, George, about Britney, I believe. I was just going to sing a little more. <laughs> just going to rock. No, I was going to say. First off, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. It's hard to hard to kind of go back to singing in a funny, funky, funky, <laughs> super funky. Go back to singing in my funkiness. Get Doesn't my seem funk like on. it's that hard for you right now. It's hard. It's hard to, I find it very hard to go from talks about um, mental health issues to getting incredibly funky. Do you, do you have trouble? It's a short it turn. Seem like it. It's a short turn. I find it sometimes like if I'm if I'm just trying to you know get incredibly funky. And just before that, I'm talking about deep, dark mental health issues. I find it a little tricky to get funky. No, I was thinking about um, the song that I was trying to remember, which is relevant to you, Carlita. It's it's Urge Overkill did a cover version of Neil Diamond's song, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. I thought I thought you'd find that relevant. I do find that relevant. I look forward to listening <laughs> to it later. It's a great song. It was in Pulp Fiction. Oh, cool. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, I think that I think that it's my challenge with it. Uh, we're a we're all on the spectrum of some type or another. Just so you know, start there. Um, and so, how can you if if we're all on the spectrum why can we not have more empathy for those that are at different places in the spectrum right and then i also think that there's a tremendous there are two things there's there's the romanticism within the arts of mental illness which needs to stop um as someone that has suffered crippling depression throughout my life there is nothing romantic about it um and you start getting into shit like schizophrenia and stuff. It it it's not romantic, and I would argue that that the art is 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 a coping mechanism to try to try to navigate that. And then the last thing, or not the last thing, we can talk about this as much as I would like. But I would also say that there are is inherent um, gender and racist racial qualities to how we um, look at mental health issues, mm-hmm. and particularly. Definitely. 
with with women. I mean, everybody, I suppose, knows that the the the, the term hysteria is you know hysterectomy, right? And and lunacy is the moon and, and menstrual cycles and things. So, um, and of course, and with with Black Indigenous people of color, they don't have the resources that white people do. Um, I mean, I've been on fucking Prozac for quite some time. I quite enjoy it. I like my Prozac. Um, and I like the occasional Xanax or the more than occasional Xanax. But I have resources to that shit. And I got I got therapy. I got all sorts of things that can, you know, if I didn't, you know, and I got health insurance. So I don't know how much Prozac costs. I mean, it costs me not much. But like, I, I mean, just get it off on the street black market Prozac, you know? And so, of course, you don't get black market Prozac. Instead, you get these motherfuckers, Sacklers and Purdue Pharma and stuff that flood the market with opioids. So then people self-medicate. So, it, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like we're all on the spectrum. It's just some of us have have access to therapy and drugs that are better kind of aligned with our needs. And then others are like, well, I don't have access to that shit, so I'll be my own therapist and doctor. <laughs> and you wonder why we have a, 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 a you know an opioid crisis. Um, I worked on I worked on a piece that's, that's not too far removed from 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 this conversation. But but perhaps Dan, you'd like to talk about yours because I see that it's a good thing for Joseph because as we've noted, he's let himself go a little bit. You know what I mean? Steak and tofurkey three times a week. I think it's the quarantine. A lot of people, like, I think, you know, like how some people are like, when you come to college, you get the freshman 15. Like, Joseph is a really good example of, like, (laughs) no, the the quarantine, like, like probably 15. But they've been saying that too, the COVID 19, the freshman 15, Hmm. the COVID 19. Clever. But Joseph is like, like, uh, he's probably put on like 100 pounds. You know, I mean that dude has bulked up. <laughs> you know, because he used to be pretty thin. So quickly, he used to be pretty thin, and now like, I don't know. Maybe it's a thyroid thing. Has anyone <laughs> talked to him about that? He zooms. So, Dane, you're not going to be buying him a. You're not going to be buying him a dinner. So, what did you write? No, I did. Uh, I did an audio version of advertising for Creatives Part One. Which is fine. I was inspired listening to yours, George, because you did such a great like NPR impression. Oh, did I? Yeah, I was really impressed. Because it's how, not, how so? It's 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 calm and with yeah. kind of a consistent tone. Yeah, you got kind of you're you're really leaning into like the deep resonant voice, like, very radio presenter style. Yes, it's very. Very different from how you teach or how you give presentations, which is interesting. Maybe it's just being alone in a room with a microphone, you know, makes you mm-hmm. pace yourself and there's no other energy to feed off of. But it's, hmm. I thought, I thought your, um, your piece that we put up last week was really good. So I thought well, I agree. I'd, I'd have a go at it. Although I, I recorded it last week and I just edited this week. So it's a bit I'm of a cheat. To to Do you throw any music on it? I mean. It's very nice of what you said. Thank you. And it makes me rethink perhaps I should I should teach all my classes if I'm on NPR. Good morning, students. The weather. Um, it, you do have best, a great radio voice. You've got a I've got a great face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, they thank you, Carly. Um, the best part of the piece, of course, was the 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 music by by young Maya Wagner. That's a good song. 
Yeah, it's like, a great song. It's just, I mean, that's just a flat ass good song. Yeah, and, and, you know, and and she's great. Like I I didn't know of her before. Berkeley student had her music up on radar. I listened to it. It's beautiful. And and then she was kind enough to uh, come to one of my classes and and do like a role playing licensing exercise. And I don't know. I thought oh, things great, but yeah. I mean, I just. I, I think it's so badass to be able to, to find new music and then throw it in and license it. And she, she can get a steak dinner. I don't know if that's her <laughs> jam, not mine, but she could get the equivalent thereof with what I paid for, maybe more. Uh, I but know, so you Ray, did an audio version too. Did you do it NPR style? You know which the guy that makes me nuts? Um, do, you, does anybody, do you guys listen to the Daily, the New York Times podcast? No. I've tried. Everyone loves it, and I just can't I know. get into it. it I can't. Me, it, I feel the exact guy same. so excited. The way he talks, like he's like, "This is the Daily," and, and he's like whisper yelling, like today on the Daily, Trump and Trump and also Trump and then more Trump and later Trump on the Daily. And it's like it's like does he talk that way all the time? <laughs> Hello, this is so and so, and I'd like to order. Some nachos. Is that how he calls in his orders? Probably not, since you just we just said how your voice recording is not your normal voice. So I'm sure there's something happening to him as well. But I don't know. I've never it. really listened to it. I can't. I don't know. People love it. I can't for whatever reason. I think I listen to so many podcasts that I just love that if I don't really love a podcast, I get it yeah. out of there. Part of it is, it's, it's just new. It's it's news. It's headlines, and it's without a unique perspective that makes it different yeah. from what you're going to read on Twitter and everywhere else all day anyway. So that's why I like shows like Pivot, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway, because they'll talk about the headline items, but it's from the perspective of uh, academics or people that have worked in tech. It's it's not. Um, and worked in marketing. It's not just this is what's going on. It's, it's repeating kind of of their backgrounds, yeah. their guest backgrounds. Dan has frozen for me. I need something to shake me it too. up. Me too. Oh no, you're frozen, man. Oh, Mr. he's back. Tech. Oh, he looks Mr. sad. Mr. <laughs> Tech. Mr. Technology. Mr. Guy that has one of those. Still? One of those screwdriver things that folds out that's full of Allen wrenches and things I've like in the leather. Yeah, and you've got do you have like a, a case, a leather case for it and wear it on your belt? No, no, I've, well, I've got a little <laughs> bag that I use for when I go biking that I keep it in. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, uh, I haven't listened to your piece yet because you just shared it, but did you? Is there music on it as well? Did you put yes, music? And I, did, is it your original music or did you? Music. I, I oh, love, we, so, we want the Cervantes composition. Yeah, maybe one day. Have you noodling in the background? Yeah. Noodling? Yeah. I mean, I would suggest shredding, but. <laughs> yeah, my buddy and I were were talking about it. Um, about I, what? I, about recording stuff. I mean, my thing is. As I've, I've talked, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or on the book club, but I, I love music. I love playing music, but I have no ambitions with it. And so it's ah. always art is this kind of thing where a lot of times art is created with the end goal of putting something out or sharing it with the world mm-hmm. 
you know, what does art look like when you only want to do it for yourself? And what's it's when you want to put art out into the world because you are distributing it in some way, you have a clearer line of this is what I want to do. This is this is the Venn diagram of what I'm good at and what people want. Yeah. When you're doing it for yourself, it doesn't matter what people want. So you've got it's what I'm good at and what I want to do. And sometimes that's not a small Venn diagram. That's everything. Or I'm having a lot more fun doing stuff I'm not good at. So you do that. And so trying to figure out, I, I listen to, um, I play a lot of uh, this guy Holfstein's music who does like one and a half, two minute or sometimes 30 second songs. And it's just like fun little guitar riffs that he posts on Patreon. Um, I think you've mentioned this before. Ages ago. Yeah, I've been a yeah. Patreon subscriber for a while. My buddy and I were talking like we both love like Oasis and some of those early 90s like Brit rock bands. Mm-hmm. And we both use Logic for DOS. So we we're like, why don't we just have some fun and record Oasis tunes remotely and go deep into the catalog? Because I am I could not be a bigger Noel Gallagher fan. I don't know where you guys sit on the Noel versus Liam. <laughs> Noel is by far the superior musician. Liam, in recent days, has actually become a much better person than Noel. But Noel, Noel's an anti-masker now and all this other yeah. stuff. Oh, great. Which yeah, is I disappointing, which I is sad that. to see. Is, yeah. Where Liam is a man of the people these days. Uh, hmm. Which one's the guitar player? Noel. And he's the anti-masker. He, did, yeah. he had like the Black Beetle, what was it? Black... What was his band? He was in another band after one of them. No, BDI was Liam's band. Noel has always been Noel's Gallagher and the High Flying Birds. Okay. Look, I mean, I I don't know. I know that that, the the big hit, the record in the early 2000s or late 90s or whatever, Champagne Supernova, I mean, it was a great record, you know. So much deeper than that. They've got some really great. And Noel just, like, can't write a bad song if his Hmm. life depended on it. He's very consistent. Not every song is amazing. But I'd say he's a very, very consistent writer. Although I listen to his new stuff and it's like funky, um, near like Funk disco it. pop. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's who's the bass player that was on? Um, James Jamerson. No, it's that electronic duo. Daft Punk. What's the bass player oh, that Daft was on Punk. Daft Punk's album? Huge, huge name. Um, no, no. I mean, Nile uh, Rogers is a guitar player. Yes, um, Nile Rogers. Yeah, is he? A but he's player? he's a good. I thought he's a, a guitar player, bass player. Yeah. No, no, but so Niles Rogers was uh, Nile. Nile, Niles. You mean he's Nile Rogers? Nile. <laughs> Glad we got incredibly, <laughs> in, incredibly important musician. Why did I think he was a bass? Maybe I am thinking of someone else. Maybe I'm totally off, and I'm going to cut all of this out. But um, I don't know. This was a total rant. What I'm trying to say is when you don't have a goal with your creative <laughs> output, it's very hard to get momentum. Um, yes, I know. I think there's and- also a little bit of, uh, it can be exciting to think that the art that you're creating, whatever it may be, is just for you. Ah, yes. I, I would argue that unless and until you get to the mindset that you are creating just for you because it's the truest expression of your purpose, you will fail. You will chase the dopamine exciter that is 
inevitably going to lead you to the trough of despair, my toddlers, which is what I wrote about. No, and that's, a- I think that's the hardest thing to, to realize. That's I mean, that's the quest for life, right? Is just getting to that essential you. It's the hardest fucking thing in the world. I, I, I go, I talk about it all the time, and I, I should rewatch it, but the, the, the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, such an amazing documentary um, about the brilliant com- comedian Gary Shandling, who Judd Apatow was mentored by him and just followed him around. And, and then when, when uh, um, uh, Gary Shandling died, Judd Apatow was able to give an access to all of his diaries and everything and put this beautiful documentary together. And and Gary Shandling was a Buddhist and he in all of his notebooks he would just write, I just have to be Gary. I have to be the most Gary Gary I can be. And then everything else works out. And man, oh man, I think that's true of life. I think that's true of art. I think that's true of happiness. And we fight against it and we fool ourselves and we write for some implied or perceived audience and we act for some perceived society and it's all fucking bullshit. And if we could just be the most us, us, everything be evet. Yeah, but there's also ever, everyone seeks affirmation, I think, especially <sighs> creative people. And it's so a it, sucker's it fucking game. There. I'm not. I'm not saying everyone needs to make cheesy top forty pop to get validation from the most amount of people possible. But everyone's looking for to create something that other people will enjoy or resonate with. And Maybe. I mean, I know. I, I'm not trying to just be difficult. I just think it's a fool's errand. I. Uh, I think that think that it's. Yes, we we are fragile little egos need someone to tell us that we're a good boy or girl. Yes, you know, the quicker you can get out of that, and certainly I'm not immune to it. I, I had my my, uh, my 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 performance review with my boss at Berkeley, and and um, you know I said she's like, do you read your evaluation? I was like, no, and she said, well, George, you have to read your evaluation. I said, here's the thing, I'll get a lot of evaluations that say you know I'm good or whatever, and then there'll be one that says that I'm seduce a lot and then i'll just think about that for like the rest of my life it's just so i mean i may sound all evolved or whatever but of course like i like it nothing more than when someone's like oh george that piece you wrote was really great or what's that song you're you know but it's bullshit it's not like you can't have your worth validated by some external party you just can't i don't know well, so I gotta, I gotta, show I gotta, me someone physician that, heal thyself. What? Show, show me someone that is entirely validated and satisfied just based on their own self worth. Right? I don't know. Dan, I'm not person. saying that it's easier, even mm-hmm. that it's possible. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's to strive. It's something for that. to aspire toward. Yeah, I agree. And 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 knowing else. and again, I think it, it's exactly the piece that I, I wrote today. Knowing that we have that within us, that that need for that dopamine exciter from an external thing, knowing that and knowing that it's a drug and knowing that it's a trap and being cognizant of it and then working through that is a much better thing than chasing the endless, endless, endless hope of of external affirmation because it never ends. You talk about Britney Spears, she was the the biggest artist in the world there for some period of time. It wasn't enough. 
that's not true. That's not, that's such an oversimplification. I mean, she was, she, she had bad actors surrounding her. I don't think Kevin that that's Federline? fair. He wasn't great, but I don't think he has anything to do with where she is now. I mean, their marriage. Perhaps didn't you've not work listened out. to his music recently. the The Britney Spears story is actually very complicated, and it's not about her not having enough. It was at all. So, I don't know if that's the best analogy for it. What's the piece that you wrote, George? It was about Kevin Federline. Um. <laughs> And it, I well, now you got. I don't. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to put Britney Spears in a box. I just. I do think that it's not. I mean, maybe she's not the right analogy, but you can certainly see it with with celebrities or artists or whatever. It never seems to be enough, right? No matter no matter how big they get, it's pretty rare for the celebrity. But yeah, I'm, I'm cool, and I love those people who do. Um, I think that Madonna is a better example of that than Britney Spears. Madonna won't just just retire, just go away, just have you've done enough, and she's like constantly. I don't think that she'll ever get to a a, a place where okay, I I've I can just relax a little bit and stop <laughs> with all of the and, and I'd say on the flip side of it. <laughs> It's on the flip side of it that you can look at others, and it's just one of my three things. You can look at other artists who have reached that point of, well, I, I don't want to stop. I like it. I, this is what keeps me young. This is what keeps me alive. Um, and, and and so that's beautiful. Like when you're creating because it, it's what you do, mm-hmm. and whether it's an audience of of one or an audience of a million. It doesn't have the impact on on the creation. I mean, this podcast is about encouragement and accountability. I'm I'm really happy with my output, and and some of that definitely comes from like you all were very kind. You know, I like that piece or whatever. If you said if you didn't read it, if you said you liked it or whatever, or didn't like it, it wouldn't stop me from creating. But it certainly encourages me to do more so i get it i mean you you want the feedback but i just i also just feel most alive and most like a like i have some purpose when i'm doing that stuff and when i'm when i don't i i get depressed mm-hmm. it's it's a really easy equation for me if i'm if i'm actively creating and making shit i'm at peace if i'm not i'm not you know yeah so I get that. Anyway, my piece today was about, or my piece for this week was was, was a first part of what will uh, is certainly be more than one, um, but uh, of the of talking about the trap of despair, and and um, it's, it's pretty pretty brutally honest, and and um, talks about the the relationship to um, happiness or maybe happiness or excitement or whatever around the new in the the axiomatic crash that follows and it's something i'm seeing profoundly if with a business that that I, I i help out where you know the entire company is is in that trough of despair where where it went from being wow this is really fun and exciting we're going to change the world 
to holy fuck, this is so hard. Why are we doing this? Not going to work. And and you see that in 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 micro elements on a day to day thing with your lives. You see it in romantic relationships. You see it in in every part of your life. I think it's the I think it's the truest thing I've ever kind of come up with. And so I'm trying to kind of unpack it leisurely. Um, it'll be a bunch of pieces, but. Um, it, it lays out a framework and it goes to everything you guys are saying. It's like, once you recognize that it's a pattern, once you recognize that, yeah, you will get that dopamine thrust when you come up with something new or when you move to a new place or when you start a new job or when you start a new school year, but there is an axiomatic inverse crash. And I kind of put forth a, a math equation that like, if, if X is the, is, is your happiness and then, H, put a number to H. So you come up with a new idea and and you're 10. You're 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 gone from one to ten and you're at ten with that new idea feeling that the 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 um calculation is now take that H, multiply it by two, and make it negative, and that gets you your so like if you start with ten, I mean you you're you're happy, I mean you're just normal and you get some new idea, you fall in love, whatever, you rock it up to ten know that you're going to go down to negative 10 because you you go 10 times 10 times 2 is 20 and then you you sum the 10 versus the negative 20 and you get to negative 10 so there's this symmetry and it just happens it happens with ideas it happens with relationships it happens with everything the question is do you just chase that new because you can but unfortunately, the peaks get lower and the valleys deeper in the same way that drug use does, right? I mean, dopamine's a drug. So, yeah, the first time you smoke crack, holy fuck, you know? But then you crash and then you got to smoke more crack and you don't get the same high and the valleys get lower. It's the same thing with all these other things. So then you've got to fight through and then you can you can put a positive rather than a negative. So then it's it's 10 to an exponent positive. Um Anyway, uh, it, it's it's important, and and it's been important to me, not just running companies, but in my own life, like recognizing when I'm in that trough of despair and figuring out why, and and but also just recognizing there's a pattern because otherwise you just think you're alone and lost and a loser, and it's not the case. It's just a pattern, and how you deal with that pattern is 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 important. But first, you got to recognize that it's a, it's a pattern. It's like an AA where it's like. You know, you just got to, you got to acceptance, accept that this is a pattern because it is. Sounds like the second piece will be happier. How you get out of the drop of despair. <laughs> the piece about getting into it. I tried to keep the first piece kind of, you know, light or whatever, but yeah, it's, but it's amazing. It's, it's the, it's the one lecture talk, whatever that I give where I just see literally everyone nodding. Like, you know, it's just a universal thing. And, and again, that's helpful. Like once you realize that it's, it's not, you're not alone, that it's a universal pattern, it, it makes it easier to understand. And you can also see what you're doing. You can also see, oh, I see what I'm doing. Every time shit gets hard, I just f go to something new. I move to a new place. I, I find a new romantic partner. I start a new business. I start a new instrument. And then you just, you're stuck in that flywheel of doom. Because mm -hmm. the, the peaks get lower and the valleys get deeper. And then there's nothing new. You know, you got to fight through it. And then it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up when I got distracted talking about my own creative confusion is uh, how much I know we're 
we're trying to use radar more which is in its early stages uh, still lots of music hopefully to come on the platform um but when we're not using radar i use audio a-u-d-i-i-o yeah. and what i and this feature isn't unique to them it's most music libraries is you can really break down like what you want to listen to in a way that you can't on dsps if i want medium energy ambient mm -hmm. instrumental mm -hmm. those are that's a filter i can go through like if you're shopping on amazon and you want to go in the electronics audio section that you can't do in spotify or apple music you can go to the playlist that they have set up or you can kind of search around but you can't you can't get that detailed uh yeah with searching and thanks to that i found some really great music that i that i used in uh, the the audio piece i just did i'll have to I'll have to dig up the name of the artist um i'll put that in the show notes but it's it's so good it's this amazing kind of ambient lo-fi stuff which is great for background music um or focus music um which i think those two are kind of the same things you're yeah totally this are really good Sometimes. for background of yeah. narration yeah. um and that's that's a feature that just seems missing that's it. like someone could easily layer that over a spotify api or something like that but. yeah they don't give a shit it's it's a great point and it's something we learned with radar right and it's, it, i've been saying forever that that metadata follows transactions not the other way around so like one of the learn key learnings of radar was and this is this is very you know good entrepreneurial advice generally getting close to the customers so when we when we were designing out the the ux the search field so you're a film composer what what type of metadata should you put in in to attach to a song and so from our vantage point as not film uh, makers but music makers we said well you probably want to know if it's a major or minor key you probably want to know the BP bpm um etc and you put tags in there you can put you know gloomy or whatever well and, yeah those and, are all music terms right not right but so the yeah. one and then we then we go to a film school and we say what are you all looking for and they said the most obvious fucking thing in the world that because of our myopia and not understanding the, not being domain experts we just missed they said our number one criteria can you all guess or maybe you know the answer what's the number one criteria if you're a filmmaker looking for music and you've just huge. confronted with just a huge library I mean, instrumentals one is huge so that's it that's it yeah. and i didn't i missed that the, the first thing they said was we need to know if there's if it's instrumental or if it has lyrics and it's such an obvious thing and, and yeah. maybe i would have come up with it but again we think of it from the musician standpoint it's like well they, they're going to want to know beats per minute and in point of fact, they won't like if you say, "Oh, this song's 160 beats per minute." If I'm a filmmaker, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, you have yeah. to say yeah. fast or slow or peppy or whatever. That's what audio yeah. has. It's high, medium, or low energy. Energy mm -hmm. is the energy <laughs> the right. descriptor. Yeah. And this is something the music industry has failed at. And it's what I mean about metadata following transactions. Like you need you need the other participants in the market go. I really don't care what the BPM is. That's not relevant to me. You need to put it in a different language so that I can understand. Because if you're not a musician, even if you say major minor, like musicians know that if it's a minor key, it's probably got a kind of sadness to it. If you're not a musician, you say, well, it's a major minor. You go, what the fuck does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know? And I have so a question, it, though. 
I mean, if you guys had a very specific intent for Radar and it was going to be going to filmmakers, why did you not include a filmmaker as a part of the kind of founding team to have better we did. clarity? That's my, okay. That's so they point. didn't say anything like that? No, no, no. I mean, well, look, I mean, you got to understand, Carly. Like, it, 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 we, we first went, hey, we want we want to have a database of music from Berkeley students that can be licensed, right? Period. Full stop. Yes. Then we had to think, well, who who would be a likely licensor of this? And and historically, if you're if you're stirring up a, a music library, you you think, oh, TV commercials, you know, whatever. We didn't want to do mm-hmm. that because there's a lot of those. We needed right. we needed a two sided market. And then I don't know who it was, but somebody thought, well, what about film schools? Which is a good idea because it's also something where we knew that those film schools would be, they A, had a need, B, they didn't have the money to go to you know mm-hmm. traditional libraries, and C, it would be non-commercial in nature so we could have an easier license. Once we, once we hit on that, we did put a little thesis together, and then quickly, at, at my insistence, we went and did just what you said. Now let's get ourselves a filmmaker to inform us. So it wasn't like there was this long gap. I mean, like we, we learned that within a week of, you know, my okay, point yeah. is, is that a lot of bit to your point, a lot of businesses wouldn't have done that. A lot of businesses would have launched and said, hey, filmmakers, we have this thing. And they would have gone, yeah, but this doesn't work for us because you didn't talk to us. And that's that's the innovator's dilemma. That's the job to be done. And so you're dead right, and, and and in our defense, we did do that. It didn't. It, and and again, when you're designing a product that you're not a subject matter expert over both sides of the market, you'll you, unless you do listen to the market, you, you have you, you'll get it wrong. But the the, the key is you can't. You, you have to. Sh- this is the, the the trouble with entrepreneurship. You have to go far enough to give them something to respond to. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and and then rather than because like if you do a survey, if you try to do like, well, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of, would you like a music library uh, filmmakers? Yes, right. That'll be their answer. Well, what would you like in it? And then and they don't know, so you have to you have to feed the market something that that that's enough to get valuable feedback from without catalyzing it to such a degree that it's too late to and and that's the the sweet spot of entrepreneurship, getting that, I hate this term, minimum viable product out there so that you can listen to customers without asking them. Because if you ask them before you do that, they don't know. They're like, I I don't know. know. What's the term you always use instead of minimum viable product? Minimum minimum viable stable product. (laughs) Minimum viable prototype. I don't know. I don't remember. I can't remember either. Not a good sign. Too many Georgisms. <laughs> you know what people toss around a lot now, like they cooked it up themselves. That I hear all over the place is is um, most passionate percentile. I hear that all the time. Now, that's something you, know, you came up with. It is, yeah. and and I'm really proud of it. Um, with the MPP, and and I think it's it's because I think it's it, people get that, and it's better than saying mavens. It's better than saying early adopters. You say most passionate percentile. And people are like, I got it. And I hear I hear my students, I hear my colleagues saying, I love it. I've definitely referenced it in uh, mm-hmm. some proposals and marketing docs. Yeah, I love that. Tres cositas for my babies. Who Last time, and I must apologize publicly, I totally stepped on Carly's awesome one, so I don't want to do that again. So, like, 
A, I'm sorry. B, let's organize this in a way that I don't step on people's shit. (laughs) I've gone first the last two times, so someone else can. I'll go first. I like mine. So, um, last week, for whatever reason, I just was, I had kind of a shitty week. It happens. I didn't feel 100% um, just for whatever reason, like personally and with my work. And so I was kind of like seeking out certain stuff. I was like looking for um, things that made me feel good. And I found, I've talked about, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. A-E-O-N. How do you say that website? Eon. Eon. Yeah, Eon. Okay, so I subscribe to the Eon newsletter, and they have a really beautiful newsletter. They share the site itself. They have essays. They have videos. They have some different formats. Um, And one of the videos that I watched this week, um, there's an interview with Alice Coltrane from 1970, Ah. and it was a segment of Black Journal, which I had never heard of. That was a public TV news program. And then this is how they described it in quotes about Blacks and for Blacks. It was the first nationally televised, regularly scheduled African-American public affairs program. So that was also cool to learn about. And I spent some time looking into that. But so the interview itself, um, it's at her home in Long Island. I think it's it's two or three years after John's death. And she talks about her music. She talks about John and losing him, about motherhood, spirituality, meditation, finding transcendence. And it was it, it was such a weird thing because it was like exactly what I needed. It's a 13 minute video or, or segment, I guess. Um, And it was, I watched it a couple of times throughout the week because it just provided me like a sense of calmness. She became quite spiritual. She ran an ashram. um, And there are, there are, there's like quite a bit of the spirituality um, component. And she talks a lot about like how much she meditated after his, after his passing. Um, But there are scenes of her playing the harp. And then there's another scene. There was a concert where she's playing music along with some of John's longtime collaborators after his um, after his death. And it's just I think also her whole essence is really calming. So listening to her speak, it's a really nice little segment. And it's something that for whatever reason, I needed it and the universe gave it to me and it's a really beautiful piece. And then I really liked learning about the Black Journal and um, just getting like a little bit more from from her perspective. So that is um, a, a much recommended if you just need to like zone out but feel recentered after. And then my we second have to thing. Back, wait, can we kind of pause on that? I mean, okay, a, of awesome. Course. B, we have to backlink in our show because Journey and Satchitananda was one of my three things ages mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. And and for all those exact same reasons, it's hugely transcendent. It's it's beautiful music. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm such a massive fan. Um, so I think it's cool that that we come around in, in cycles within, even within this podcast. I don't, I don't know if you remember that or not, Carly. But, but I do. That w- I okay. do, yeah. Um, I, it'd be cool if you just kind of came upon her with it. But that's great, yeah. But we should cross-link. Yeah, definitely, we will in the show notes. And um, 
yeah, it felt like it, it was weird. It felt like very tuned to what I was looking for and it felt relative. And um, yeah, I watched it a couple of times this last week. And then my second thing is just Dolly motherfucking Parton. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so obviously we all know that, um, or have heard at least that she gave a million dollars to one of the COVID-19 vaccines, the Moderna one to be specific, which has a 94.5% efficiency rate. I'm not sure if that's the right term for, for vaccine effectiveness. Efficacy. Um, efficacy. But I also saw a tweet that I think is really perfect. So this person, Jerome Camo, I... I don't know. Someone that I follow had shared it, and that's how I saw it. And he tweeted, let's be clear. Dolly Parton is a millionaire and not a billionaire because she keeps giving money away. Being a billionaire is a moral failing. She gives away shockingly large amounts of money every year and is still richer than you and I will ever be. And I think that there was something like she is just. Of course, she could be a billionaire. She probably many times over but I think that she's just such a cool person and and she didn't do it as some like virtue seeking thing there was no big like I've done this it's just she donated a million dollars and then reading about that it was her longtime friend and I apologize in advance that I probably won't pronounce this right um Dr. A boomrad, a boomrad. Help me out, either of you, if you can. Um, but so it was through conversations that they were having. He's a physician, um, and he had told her like about the the vaccine and the work, and she donated a million dollars to the um, research efforts, and so. That then led me to my third thing, because in reading about how that came to be, the doctor that I just referenced, his son is the producer, one of the producers and hosts of Dolly Parton's, Dolly Parton's America, the podcast. Um, and that's my third thing. If because I want to celebrate Dolly Parton, but then I also, that podcast is great and I want to listen to it again. I listened to the whole thing. I actually started listening to the first episode again and then didn't take it further. But the link between the two of them is also really cool. He was her doctor. He treated her after a car crash that she was in in 2013 and the two became friends. And he's like a, a um, he's Lebanese. He came to America. I can't remember when, but it's like this very unlikely friendship story about how that came to be. And then through his father's relationship with Dolly Parton, um, he, I don't have the son's name, but the podcast producer then created Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton's America. Um, and the podcast itself explores everything from Tennessee accents, the Civil War, her very complicated relationship with Porter Wagoner, um, Porter Wagner. Jolene, <laughs> nine to five, all the way to the Me Too era, her kind of rejection of feminism and, and her relationship with feminists. Um, it's a really great podcast. So I want her to just be my number two and for the work that she's done around 
helping us actually get to this place. And like, where are all these other billionaires giving a million dollars to vaccine funding? Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos' response is having an Amazon pharmacy. He's not actually helping anything except for lining his own pockets. And she, I think, is just such a cool example of of what it means to actually embody humility and empathy and talent and uniqueness. And she's so, she's just so herself. And so for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast, I know it's a year old. Most people maybe who like her have already listened to it, but I'm going to re-listen to it as a way to kind of just celebrate her and all of the really fucking cool things that she's done in her whole life and continues to do today. Stumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition. Better yeah, than a hell yeah. voice impression. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't bad. Yeah, that was much better. I can do it like Brittany would. <laughs> Please don't. She's Please awesome. Don't. Dolly Parton's yeah. fucking awesome. Porter Wagner's awesome. She really She's is. A mess, but Dolly's amazing. You got a third, Carly? You're just going to stick with two this, this, this was, week? The first one is the Alice Coltrane yeah. video. Second thing is Molly, Molly, Dolly Parton and her funding the COVID-19 vaccine. But that tweet as well. That tweet, I think, is just perfect. Like, being a billionaire is a moral failing. It just is. If you're a billionaire, it's because you are Well, Bill Gates is a probably a billionaire, but Bill Gates is probably <laughs> okay, going to be largely responsible different... for... for the, the fact that we're going to be able to distribute this vaccine quickly. So I don't think okay, it's but Bill universally- Gates is a very, you know, but he's a, a pretty special example. Um, and then the third stumble thing is Dolly Parton's America, the podcast. The... All right. Do you know what, you know, the song I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, but, mm-hmm. but um, certainly made more famous by the late great Whitney Houston. Do you know where that song first appeared as performed by Dolly Parton? Where it first appeared? I know that what she sang movie? it to... Oh, no. So it was on the soundtrack to a movie. I'll give you a hint. Burt Reynolds you know the... was in the movie. How I have awesome no idea. That? Doesn't help me a whole lot. Yeah. Best no. little whorehouse in Texas. The story of that song is actually really cool, too, and they get into that in the podcast. I mean, she gets into it in other places as well, but she sang that to him when she wanted to to end their working relationship, and he told her it was the best thing that she had ever done. And then um, when she recorded that song, he promptly sued her for a million dollars, of which Who, she... Porter Wagner? S- yeah. She settled quite quickly <laughs> because she just didn't want to get into a legal battle. And then, of course, things didn't turn out so great for him. And no. he was bankrupt. And she, did you know that she bought his company and then gifted it back to him? Oh, his publishing company or something? Wow. Yeah. I don't she know. bought the I'll, company and then the gifted it back. Yeah. It's, she's, again, it's just like that's her. She takes care of the people around her. It's not a money-driven thing. She's she's just fucking cool. But of course, I mean, they had she credits him to to kind of her breakout career, but then also having the strength to say like I don't want to be tethered to you. Yeah. And I'm as a like tiny little big-bosomed blonde woman. I just yeah, I think I wish there were more Dolly Partons, but that's a hard. Is it Dolly or Molly? 
It's Dolly. I just misspoke for one second. I, wish, I was too I excited. Insist, I wish you insisted that it was. No, I think it's Molly. Molly Pardon? <laughs> Molly Hatchet? All right, Dan, you or me? Uh, you can go. Okay. Right, go. Do it in order of awesomeness. Um, from from pretty awesome to most awesome. Pretty awesome would be uh, the Bose, or as they say in Denmark, Bose. Bose. Uh, Bose sleep buds. They rule. I've been, I've been a troubled sleeper as long as I can live. And I think a large, as long as I can live, I think a large part of it is due to just being a super light sleeper. Like, so any little, like a, like a, like a mouse eating a mouse sized saltine would wake me up. Um, but I plug these or put these things in and then I just, I, it's like static and they, they fit flat into your ear so you can lie on your side. It's great. I was sleeping like an infant, like a baby. So I like those a lot. What about waking set- up in the morning? They don't drown out no. your alarm, or they're on a sleep time. No. I mean, a you could put an alarm on them, but I, ah. I it's it's not so it's not so loud that an alarm. And I am a really light sleeper, so it's just enough. It's like just enough to keep me because like if the heat would kick on in the night or something, that would wake me up. And a normal person wouldn't wake up for that. But like now, I just snooze away like a like a, like a baby. Um, the second one was a going from my awesome to F. Oh no, now I screwed it all up. F. Damn it. I had it all organized and I screwed it up. Okay. So um so crypto gets shit on, maybe rightly, maybe wrongly, I don't know. Um, but there's a tweet that caught my eye the other day. And it said we raised 159.5 ether, which at the time of, of that was $82,361. It's probably more than that now. Um, for at Black Girls Code. Um, thank you at Super Rare Co. Thank you, crypto community. Hi, Vitalik. And so, again, I, I, I haven't done the deep dive in this, but the Super Rare Company, they're doing the non fungible tokens, which is something that, that if you haven't kind of dug in on yet you're going to be hearing a lot about it people maybe from me maybe from others but you're going to be hearing a lot about nfts um but this the the fact that look you know technology is somewhat somewhat agnostic it can be used for good or for bad if in fact there's some truth to the fact that we're using crypto to kind of fund things like black girls code hell yeah we need more of that so i don't know uh, and then my third thing, which I think is very, very relevant to um, to our prior conversation, and um, is from the great cellist Pablo Casals, and he says he says, in spite of their age, those musicians have not lost their zest for life. How does one explain this? I do not think the answer lies simply in their physical constitutions or in something unique about the climate in which they live. It has to do with their attitude toward life, and I believe that their ability to work is due in no small measure to the fact that they do work. Work helps prevent one from getting old. 
I, for one, cannot dream of retiring. Not now or ever. Retire? The word is alien and the idea inconceivable to me. I don't believe in retirement for anyone in my type of work. Not while the spirit remains. My work is my life. I cannot think of one without the other. To retire means to begin to die. The man who works and is never bored is never old. Work and interest in worthwhile things are the best remedy for age. Each day I am reborn. Each day I must begin again. He said that when he was 93. So wow. there's that. Hmm. I like that. Each day you are reborn. I've been actually trying to think of every day is a new day. It's such a basic thing, but I think it's hard for people to remember that. It's deeper than and that. And it I'm can add a lot of clarity. You just like let yesterday go. Today is a new day. Tichnot Hunt says that, you know, you breathe in, breathe out. You're a new you. Like it's, it, it's, it's every second, you know, you don't have to demarcate it. And, you know, we are not the thing that I always have to remind myself and Tishan Han says is we're not an accumulation or some total of our past actions. We are what we do next. And that allows you to forgive yourself, you know, but it's, it's sure each day is a new day. Each breath is a new breath. Each breath is an opportunity for, you know, a new you. <sighs> breathe in, breathe right. out. You are a new you. Dan? <laughs> Um, I'm really disappointed because I had saved a tweet. Um, we didn't record last week, so I had saved this on November 11th, and I was so excited to share it because it was oh, a no. tweet full of puns, and people responded with puns, and it was amazing. And it's <laughs> it's literally about a truck with a bunch of th- thesauruses. <laughs> trouble getting that one out. Thesauruses <laughs> crashing and thesauruses covering. I the saw road. that. Yeah, and I saw were, that. Th- there are all these great responses to it. There was specifically two people that responded in, you know, and I can't find the responses. So it's nearly ah. not worth, I will put this in the show notes, but I don't think it's worth being in three things without the responses that gave me so much joy. But you can't find the, tw- the tweet I, I've or got someone the, I've else. i the original just... tweet, but there've been so many responses to it now. You mm. can't scroll through a billion responses. The ones responses. that I loved are no longer at the top. Uh, I should have screenshotted it. Or but, liked them. I like things on Twitter as a way of bookmarking them. Looks like I didn't even like it. Um, I'm going to give it a like anyway, even though I've had the link saved. Uh, all right, it's okay. I've got other ones. First one, um, probably the artist that, a currently active artist that I'm most excited about, that I've been most excited about for years now, Noah Gunderson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. No. Um, so specifically, my three thing is two of his performances on KEXP's YouTube show. That's a Seattle radio station. Mm-hmm. Yep, a great radio station. Uh, 2017. He's done a few performances, but there's him playing his song The Sound in 2017 and Lover in 2019. He might be the only artist in recent years that I've like followed on the road. I went to a few of his performances huh. up the East Coast because I, I enjoy it so much. And he's, You're a Gunderson head? I'm a, I'm a Gunderhead. Yeah, he's Gunderhead. so Is that what they call themselves? No. I don't think there they is. They do now. <laughs> but um, he started out, like, he was raised very religious, and I think at an early age kind of fell out of that. And so he, but he was, came up with a lot of this religious music and wrote, like, anti-religious sounding folk songs. Oh. Initially. And then a few years ago, he released an album. Um, which is all like pretty rock rock stuff. Uh, the sound I think is one of my 
favorite rock songs of all time. And then uh, he put out an album called Lover in 2019 where he just went in this pop direction. He did it all with his friend in some um, some little studio in Seattle. And I remember seeing him live on that tour. And obviously he wasn't just playing those songs, but it was, I was so um, skeptical about this direction. But seeing him live and seeing how much he enjoyed playing these kind of pop-tinged songs and how it was... It was not him trying to please the masses or trying to find a breakout hit. It was something he clearly really enjoyed um, and was really great. Actually, such a ridiculous singer. Um, it's it's interesting watching an artist going through these phases uh, and kind of feeling all of them and still being able to tap into. He'll still play a folk song with his sister who does violin, and he'll still do a hard rock song. And it's I mean, you can even like look at photos of him and he goes from this you know scrawny seattle kid folk artist to this tatted up long black hair leather jacket rocker to now dyed blonde like ripped covered in tattoos pop guy uh it's Hmm. very funny watching that that transition um but he's still him and he's i'll share the um the links of these youtube videos but it's kind of like you just you watch them, and one KX, KXP does an amazing job with the production of uh, yes. those videos. They look great, they sound great, um, and it's it's kind of remarkable that a radio station is like the one that's crushing that. Um, but uh, it's it's just like you, you can't look at it, and even if you don't like the songs, you can't deny that that guy's got something. I don't think he'll ever be huge or a, you know any type of big star, but he's He's uh, he seems like a guy that's kind of followed and done what he wants to do, and his audience follows along one way or the other, um, and he enjoys it. So it's really cool to see. And sometimes it is that shedding of the skin, you know, and or or you know, I mean, there's there's just experimenting. I think exactly. Yeah, people it's, evolve. Exactly. You see what exactly. you yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. So I guess. Technically, number one. Number two, uh, Phoebe Bridgers and Maggie Rogers doing the cover of Iris, which I don't love the cover that much. I think why they did it was cool. They did it for the Georgia Senate race. What? Didn't they? They also did the the I just the Newport Folk Record. Didn't they? Aren't they? Uh, Both of them? Uh, I maybe think separately. So. No. Uh, Together? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, maybe. Um, I've yeah. always wanted them to collaborate. They seem just... Like the Maggie is such a happy kind of uplifting music uh, musician, and Phoebe is so dark, but they also both kind of they seem to have a lot of musical similarities. So I thought they would. I, I like both of them a lot. Um, but what's interesting is so the song was available for 24 hours on Bandcamp, and I think that's such a cool idea. It wasn't available for streaming. I don't think it's going to be available for streaming. But I keep on looking at, like, what can artists do to have that type of um, exclusivity, you know, Supreme mm-hmm. style, limited run. You know, it's audio, so it's never going to be, like, you know, only if you, you – the person that buys it is the only person that's going to hear it. It's too easy to rip. It's too easy to share. Um, but as far as, you know, even if it wasn't for such a good cause, just to make money. I mean, that's the core fans are going to want that. They're going to want the real thing. They're, maybe they'll want the wave file or the lossless version of it. Doing these limited run, um, 
not extremely produced recordings for the right artist could be the right thing to do and say it's only available for a week. Uh, some artists have done that with with live streaming where we're going to put up a concert. It's only available for a week, $15. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that leads me to my third, which is this trend of platforms that are built to help creators monetize their art, keep on adding new features and keep on growing. Bandcamp just added live streams. Mm-hmm. Gumroad uh, has bulked up their membership platform. So it's really encouraging to see more competition in this space, but also kind of normalizing spending money on the artists that you love. Um, and either through memberships or through paying for live streams, um, it seems like there is momentum here. And you look at places like Instagram just added the sticker tips for live streams where you can pay to put a sticker in the chat. Mm-hmm. So platforms are competing on can creators sustain themselves on those platforms. And that's a really good place for competition. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I, I, I mean, first off, I should clarify. So the, what was reminding me of it was um, Newport Folk Festival just released a vinyl uh, record called A Change Is Gonna Come. And Maggie Rogers does the times they are changing with with Brandy Carlisle and John Batiste. Mm. But I think Phoebe Bridgers might have tweeted it out. Anyway, I'm proud of it because um, I I helped out. I'm proud of it because it's awesome. But I helped out with the with the music clearances for it. And I should give a shout out to a a Berkeley grad who helped me, who assisted on on doing the license, Caroline Vermillion, who is uh, at, at Fordham. She. Just like go go get the mechanical licenses and, and she did. So Berkeley is training training people who can, you know, actually operate in the industry and to great effect the thing sold out in like a day, you know. So um, there are people out there that wanna participate and find ways and obviously all of the money is gonna go to keeping the mission of of the Newport Folk Festival, which is really important. But but to your point, Dan, it's also, you know, these are the types of, of initiatives that that will be durable, that will even once the vaccine is out and this nightmare is behind us, these things will be there and, and help artists even when they can get back to touring more and hopefully just kind of increase their overall portfolio. Yeah. I I just worry about just how long can we make it through. You know, I just I worry about the artists that are just trying to survive right now. But But yeah, I love seeing the innovation. Innovation always comes at the margin and from the marginalized. And, and that's what's happening. Awesome. And with that, oh, you know, we, we, so the, the book club is the next book is, is yours, Dan. We yep. wrapped up yes, the, the amazing one from Carly. Um, I love the book club and the meetings and, and we should get, you know, make sure other people are aware of it. Um, I also, I think it was cool. We had a few, a few pieces from others that just aren't the three of us going up on the site. We want more of that. So, yep, and I think give us a review. Someone, someone, review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your podcast thing of choice. You can give only us a, put reviews on Apple. Well, you can't put reviews on Spotify. You can follow us fun. on Spotify. I want our listeners to find a way. That Rate us and challenge. leave reviews, or just. Tweet Tell about us, criticize us, talk about your yeah. singing voice. Baby, <laughs> baby, one more time. Uh. Um, so what's the next book and when? The next book is Range. Oh, I got the full title. Range Life. 
The next book is Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World by David Epstein. I've actually realized I haven't read this. I've listened to the audiobook. Same thing, uh, but difference. similar difference. thing, but there's a difference. And I loved it because it, it's uh, there's a little bit of, what do you call it, affirmation bias. I read this book mm-hmm. and think of myself not being a specialist in one particular thing. You know, I have to wear I a like lot of affirmation bias. Yeah. So it made me feel better about myself and it made me feel comfortable continuing to explore some of the different skills that I like rather than thinking I need to become really, really good at this one thing and focus on that. Um, and it talks, it gives a historical examples of um, how generalists, people that are, um, you know, maybe doctors, but have other skills. It's the other skills that have helped kind of help them break through um, industry-wide um, roadblocks. We're trying to find vaccines, things like that. Um, so it's mm-hmm. Jason. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And I thought the last one was super fun, and it was super fun because mm-hmm. what, what's your friend's name, Carly? That came. Derek. Derek. And and so for those of you all who have not yet joined the book club, like I think people are, are reluctant, maybe because they think it's going to be like class, and you were going to, you know, like. We'd spend most of the time just talking nonsense. And my favorite part was like pretending that we were going to let Derek pick. He was a new member. And, and like, what if like you were like, oh, oh. We were like, okay, we're, we're going to pick our new book. And like, we're all trying to be polite to the new member. And, and Derek was like, I, I have, I have an idea. And like, because we don't know or I don't know him that well, we're like, oh, cool, man. What are you thinking? And, and, and then, like, if he picked something crazy, like the Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> and then, then we'd be in that awkward position, of like, yeah, I mean, I guess we could, we could, re- we could read the Chronicles of Narnia, I guess, and like, you know, or, or like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, for, for our next book, we're gonna read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Would you guys be up for that? I mean, I know I'm new to the group, but like, how does does that sound? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess, man, like, it's we kind of do like business book. I mean, I guess we get, it's long. I mean, it's three, like, like Lord of the Rings. You want to, I think that'd be great for everyone. All right. <laughs> Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Luckily, it's not that. So I think we'll start the week after Thanksgiving. Um, so okay. not, not this week. I don't even know what date that would be. First Friday of December. I'll put up as a blog post and the event links and such, but this will be a fun one. That's the traditional yeah, book club starts the first Friday of after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good week, everyone. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Hit me, baby. One more time. The Entrepreneurship and Art Podcast is a GH strategic production hosted by me, Carly Sheridan, Dan Cervantes, and George Howard. For more information and show notes, visit our website at entrepreneurshipandart.com.